Welcome to the Travel Like a Boss podcast, the radio show all about traveling like a boss by being your own boss. Stay tuned for weekly interviews featuring guests that have built their own online businesses. If you would like to have access to our entire back catalog, visit travellikeabosspodcast.com for instant access. And here's your host, Johnny SD. Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 69 of the Travel Like a Boss podcast. I'm here with Larissa again uh, in Taipei, Taiwan. How you doing? Hi, you guys. <laughs> so we wanted to have a different digital nomad on this week just because uh, it was Larissa in Bangkok as well. But we literally only met one in all of Taiwan. Yep. So... <laughs> Not the easiest places to find other digital nomads. <laughs> but a fantastic, fantastic city. And I still believe it could be a future hub for nomads. Uh, so this week we want to talk about all the amazing food in Taiwan, and it is good. Yep. Uh, kind of what to do out here, why you should visit, um, what the scene needs, uh, as well as we both got our blood test results back um, from Dr. Alexis Shields, and she monitors uh, our ongoing health, our cholesterol, our blood pressure, all that stuff. So this is going to be a fun episode, uh, so I'm really excited. Uh, a mixture of food and health. <laughs> food and health. And uh, Larissa's on her way uh, to the airport in a few hours. Yep, going back home <laughs> to the mother city. <laughs> <laughs> she's, so she's going back to Johannesburg, South Africa for a month. And I'm going to go mm -hmm. to Chiang Mai. Uh, my cousin's coming to visit, so we're going to go diving again. And it's crazy because I just got back from <laughs> Kolanta and doing all this, you know, all these vacations uh, and I was kind of looking forward to going back to Chiang Mai and just working uh, but he's going to be coming next week so there's going to be that. Larissa is going to go see some family, uh, spend some time and we're going to reunite in another month. So this is kind of a, a, a farewell episode but for a month we'll be back. Yep. <laughs> I'll be back there. I'll be back next week with another guest. I wanted to say it sounds like you're also <laughs> going away. Like <laughs> No. So Taipei, what do you think? I absolutely love it and would come back here in a heartbeat, without a doubt. Um, it's so beautiful, it's big, there's a lot to do. It's anyone who loves food and trying different cuisines, this is the place to be. But I absolutely love it. Yeah. So, I was always a bit biased. My parents are from Taiwan, so I've been here many times kind of throughout the years. This is my first time here as a digital nomad, so it's a little bit different. Um, you know, I, I never you know, really explored on my own and never had to work uh, out of my laptop. Uh, co-working spaces, what did you think? Well, for most part of it, we've been working from Xingbaka, which, <laughs> which is, is Starbucks in Chinese. I'm working nice. on my Mandarin, yay! Yeah. <laughs> so we've been working from Starbucks most of the time. And we did find one co-working space and we've been having absolutely amazing co-working spaces the last month because we went from Cohub to the Hive in Bangkok, which both I loved. And then we come here and are on this high, this co-working space high, and I'm so excited to see what um, Taiwan's got to offer. And the first one we get to, we walk in and it's just like, for me personally, I was so disappointed. And I literally you, like asked Johnny, I walked in, I looked around and I was like, I'm going back to Starbucks. I know. And at first I didn't understand why. Because in my mind, I've been to so many co-working spaces that I know some of them are better than others. But I, I do realize the only ones you've seen are the best 
pretty much the best three in the world. Yep. <laughs> well, you know, and Thailand really has some of the best co-working spaces. So you saw, you've seen Pun Space yep. in Chiang Mai, which is awesome. Then you've seen uh, Kohab in Kolanta, which is awesome. And then uh, the Hive in Bangkok, mm-hmm. which is awesome. So you didn't, ha- you know, for me, I'm like, uh, some of them are gonna be good, some of them are gonna be not as good. Yep. So I'm like, I just need a place to work. But you know, you were right. There was really no reason for us to work there. Because uh, Starbucks in Taiwan, I wouldn't work in Starbucks in the US. You know, like if I have to, I will, but I'm not gonna do it every day. I would never work in a Starbucks in Chiang Mai. But here in Taiwan, it's actually a very comfortable place to work. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, they, they have free Wi Fi. Here's a ch- nomad tip you get free Wi Fi, free bicycles around Taiwan. You get all those great things, but they all require a cell phone. You can get a prepaid cell phone at the airport, but if it wasn't for my dad being in town and letting us register under his name... We would have been screwed. We would have been screwed because we don't have two forms of ID. Yep. So if you guys come to Taiwan, make sure you bring both your passport and a driver license. So I don't even know if most people do that. I think everyone like travels with two forms of ID except for us anyway, baby. <laughs> like I leave that at home because I'm like, I know I'm not going to use my driver's license. I'm not going to drive anywhere and I don't want to risk losing it. So I always just bring my passport and copies of my passport. But you need two different forms of IDs. Yeah, and you, and you need the hard copies as well. Yeah. They're pretty strict on it. Mm-hmm. You know, I tried, I tried to give them, um, you know, like a, like a photocopy and they, they weren't taking it. So... It makes it really, really easy if you follow their rules, because <laughs> then the, the actual SIM card is super easy to get, super cheap. I think we spent ten dollars, so it's three hundred NT, which is the same as Thai bot, which makes it very easy. Yep. And so it's very cheap, and you know we've had data, we've had great reception everywhere. But it's one of those things if you don't have it, you're kind of screwed. So that's why it's so important to know these things before you come to Taiwan. Taiwan isn't as backpacker or as nomad friendly as Thailand. Thailand, you can literally just show up, know nothing, and everything will kind of be handed to you. I don't even know if this is like a place where you say, I'm going to move there to be a nomad. I just think it's a cool holiday destination. So you choose to live somewhere else. And then if you're tired of that and you want to break away and you are in Asia, I would say come to Taiwan. But I would never recommend for someone who's starting out, say moving from the States or from South Africa and start in Taiwan. Like I just think this is an awesome holiday destination. It was such a cool trip, but I don't want to move here and be here for a year. I, I actually wish that I could recommend this place as a nomad destination because I'd really like to see it be one. You know, and it might be in five or ten years. I actually, you know, I I would put money down saying that in five or ten years, this will be a great nomad hub. There's gonna be some awesome co-working spaces. There'll be a great community. You'll still have the awesome food, the awesome transportation, the friendliness of the Taiwanese people, everything. But right now, there is very very few nomads. And you know, to be fair, a couple people did reach out to me on Facebook, but most of them lived in. Out, other cities outside of Taipei and it was so far that it just didn't make sense to me and normally when I meet with nomads I usually say oh yeah I'll be at XYZ co-working space just drop by and we can grab lunch it makes it very easy but you know here when we're at a different Starbucks all the time and they're working out of you know out of their coffee shop it just makes it kind of hard to meet someone who you know you don't really know yet you know like if you're meeting a, a like an old friend that's one thing you know but 
to meet new nomads, it's very hard to go somewhere and meet if it's not a co-working space. Yep. And there was literally one person at the, at the space. Apparently, there's a big community of English teachers here. Like 80% or an 80 to 90% of the Westerners who live here are English teachers and they're very close-knit. And then the other 10 to 20% are expats who live here who's been moved by their companies mm -hmm. and they work they here on a project for about a year or a year and a half. And then they move back. But there's not a lot of people who's working online doing their own entrepreneurial thing, yeah? Yeah. There's one guy named Greg who I did actually an interview with. So I'll have a link to that video. We did a video interview that's almost an hour long. That's actually the only reason why I didn't have him on the podcast uh, this week. It's just because I sat down with him for an hour anyway. So if you want to listen to that one, if you go to the show notes of episode 69 of the podcast, you can watch the whole video there. Uh, and it's on YouTube as well. And he is basically the... I don't want to call him the only digital nomad. That's insane. I'm sure there's other ones, but... Like, there's really... You know, compared to places like Chiang Mai or even Koh Lanta, there's... I mean, there's very, very few here. Yeah. But uh, what are some of your other favorite things about, about Taiwan? So, one of my other favorite things about Taiwan is how easy it is to get around. And how fun it is to get around. So, like, um, the main forms of transportation here is, like... Um, local taxis, mm -hmm. the yellow cabs, um, the MRT, which is the train, yep. which, and it's super cheap and it's so easy. Like for me, who comes from South Africa, doesn't you really use public transport? I always drive in my car. Like this train station, I could actually interpret a lot easier than like the one in Bangkok. So it's really, it's really easy. And then my favorite thing is the U bikes. Like you can get a bicycle so easily at like all these random stops, and you can just take a bicycle around town. And for me, that's the first time maybe I've ever experienced that. Like, you've seen that in Europe. And for me, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool that you can take a U-bike. Like, well, I really you know, loved it. Outside of Europe, it's the only place I've seen it. Where So a U-bike is basically a government-sponsored uh, bike transport system where they have these free, pretty much free bikes set up all around the city uh, at every single um, MRT stations, every, every single train station. And you can have an app on your phone to see where they are. It's, I mean, it, they're everywhere. I mean, you can place to walk around. And you see these yellow bikes. And they are 5 NT for half an hour, which is 5 baht, which is, I, I, it's so, I mean, it's like a, it's like a dime. It's yeah, like that's not even, they're not basically charging me for it. <laughs> <laughs> and the only thing that's required to get it is you need a easy card, which is basically $3 to get it. You get it at any MRT station. Basically, what it is is, you put down a hundred bot, oh, hundred NT deposit. NT is the Taiwanese currency, the new Taiwanese dollar, and that card allows you to load up on credit to use the system, or you can use this little token thing, which is actually very easy as well. Mm -hmm. um, if we can do things differently, and I'm gonna write all of this in Johnny's guide to Taiwan on my blog, JohnnyFD.com. Uh, it'll be up a few days from now, so make sure you check that out, especially if you're gonna come to Taiwan or if you're just curious. But Make sure you get one of those cars on the first day because we waited. We're like, oh, we're only here for three weeks. We don't need it. <laughs> it would have so been so much easier. Baby. Like, why didn't we get that the first day? <laughs> get it on the first day you get to it. You have to get it. So get that. And uh, then you need to register once and then it's on your card. Unfortunately, you also need a cell phone. Yep. So it's one of those things where 100% bring two IDs so you can get a prepaid cell phone for $10 and then you have access to all these things. Um, I think the reason why they do it is so they can kind of keep track of who's taking out the bikes and who's using certain things. 
which does make sense. Um, it's just kind of a hassle if you happen to, to not have it because there's no real workarounds. But the bike itself, pretty much free. Really good, good quality bikes. like such a good bike. So rumor has it that these bikes are manufactured by Giant, which is a big, big uh, bicycle company based in Taiwan. And if you're a cyclist, you know some of the world's best bikes are made in Taiwan. So really good quality. Um, and you can ride them around Dan Park, which is probably the easiest first route. Dan. Dan Park, yeah. <laughs> or you can ride it down to the river and it was a beautiful ride. Yep. Except when it rained. There's beautiful <laughs> parks. There's a lot of parks, big parks, and um, especially around the river, yeah? That's so nice to go spend the day there. It's just pretty. There's not much to do around it. There's markets sometimes, but it's not like a... I don't feel like Taiwan's a big party animals place. Like, this is if you just appreciate a big city that's well-operated, very well-operated, really good food. Um, it's still a cultural experience, obviously. A massive shopping destination for all the girls. Like, I cannot even... Like, if you are a lady and you enjoy shopping, like, you will love Taiwan. Because well, talk the, about the shopping because yeah. for the girl listeners. Like, the shopping, the quality of the clothing is just really good. It's very trendy, obviously, because, I mean, I think Asia in general is just on top of trends. And it's so inexpensive if you go to the markets. But it ranges tremendously because you can go to the markets and you can buy a beautiful handbag for 680. Just... $18. But then when in this like where you stay in the big city where like our hotel was, there's all these massive brands like Louis Vuitton, Chanel and like Zara is more the affordable ones as well. But it's just the contrast is insane because the one more we went to like I don't think I've seen so much money in such a small like area so at the Taipei same time. So Taipei 101 uh, was the world's tallest building for a long time. Now Dubai's built a taller one, yep. but in that mall is six floors of nothing but like Louis Vuitton, Chanel, Tiffany's, yep. Lux- luxury brands that like you've never seen it before. And that's all they have there. <laughs> There's nothing else. So insane. Um, and it's an experience to go see it, but obviously, like you do it once. We went there once. We looked around the shops, but we don't want to buy anything there. <laughs> like you can't half of it. You can't afford. Mm-hmm. And like, what are you gonna do with like a fifty? thousand dollar handbag which is insane to me <laughs> um but yeah like shopping absolutely amazing if you go to the night markets really good quality beautiful things a good place to start is the there's area it's called shimending in english is shimending <laughs> shimending yeah, yeah i like how you looked at me to translate to <laughs> chinese i'm like isn't it just shimending <laughs> so that is known as the japanese district like where teenagers go or young you know i guess people in the young 20s called the harajuku area uh really really easy to get around there there's street performers every night oh that was amazing i loved it like there's people like every night there's different performers so sometimes there's people singing sometimes there's just these like um like actors like acting weird things out like i don't even know how to describe it it's like weird different like, like street performers street performers but it's so cool but what's cool is okay so i've seen a lot of this, these things in let's say san francisco or in europe but you don't see these in most places mm-hmm. you know and i think taiwan especially taipei is the europe of asia you know you have all the kind of benefits and the, the nice niceties of europe so you have things like the u-bike you know mm-hmm. with great um, roads to, to bike on, like bike dedicated bike paths. Yep. And 
you have these street performers, you have these great, you know, uh, outdoor market shopping districts. There probably is a very good nightlife scene. We didn't go to it, but I, 10 years ago when I was, you know, I was like, yeah, I was early 20s. I did go to the nightclubs here. They are big, nice nightclubs. So there is a big scene as well. Mm -hmm. um, and I would say overall, Taiwan has pretty much kind of a little bit of everything. So, you know, that's why I think it's such a nice place to come. I, I really think that it's very underrated. Very few people I know who have traveled have been to Taiwan. And why do you think that is? First of all, because I think the digital nomad scene, that's like almost non-existing, yeah? Mm -hmm. um, it's definitely more expensive than going to Thailand mm -hmm. for as a holiday destination, just because of the hotels, especially if you're staying in the center where everything's happening, where you do want to stay in the beginning. You don't want to be traveling in and out every night. Like, hotels here are a lot more expensive for a lot less, less that you get. Mm -hmm. Like, if we paid... 2,000 baht in Thailand for a hotel, we would get a really nice room. Yeah. Here you get a room, a it's, basic yeah. room, <laughs> with like a shower not big enough for me and Johnny to go <laughs> into at the same time. Yeah, so I would say hotels are at, at least double uh, the price. Um, restaurants, like nice restaurants, are very expensive as well. They're yeah. probably double Thailand. But the nice thing is transportation is very cheap. Yeah. Uh, and street food is very cheap as well. And by the street food, I mean both the stalls, but also kind of just like these fast restaurants yep. that you get really high quality food. If you see there's a long line uh, or someone like wrapping um, pot stickers, you know, and kind of kneading dough, it's probably a good restaurant. Mm -hmm. And places like that are very cheap. Yep. You know, I would say for under 100 baht, which, which is 100 NT, which is $3, you can get yourself a, a set of, you know, uh, a pot stickers or like these buns that are really nice mm -hmm. uh, and we went to a michelin star rated restaurant yep uh the only one i think it was the first michelin star restaurant in asia um the one that actually won was their branch in hong kong but they are very consistent around around all the locations and it's called ding tai fong yeah uh which is the bowls the steamed bowls with soup inside soup yep. and meat inside it's like there's, I think they're officially called like soup dumpling or steamed. They are not called the bowls. Please do not quote <laughs> me on that when you order food. Can we please have six of the bowls <laughs> that Johnny and his girlfriend was talking about? That would be very embarrassing. But, but t tell us everyone what is in them. So it's a steamed bun, a little bun. And on the inside, it's got pork. You can choose your fillings. But the ones we stuck to most of the time was a pork filling that was soup. Mm -hmm. And you bite like a tiny little hole and then to have the steam come out. And then it's just juicy because it's meat with a little bit of soup. So the meat is just so juicy. It's like I have to quote one of Johnny's friends on this. Kevin said to us last night, he said, the first time I went there, I just wanted to cry <laughs> because the food was so good. <laughs> and it's so hard to describe. It's because these are things that we normally don't eat in other countries. So it has. So imagine like a dough. But it's so thin and like filled with the juiciest pork you've ever had in your life. Mm -hmm. You know, or you can get it with green squash and shrimp or they have, you know, um, they have all these different, different ones. And for a restaurant that was that nice with the, probably some of the best service we've gotten, probably, I would say the best service in Asia. Yep. You know. Without a doubt. Like Johnny kept... He joked around because as you sit down, they um, 
pour you some tea and buy them like you take a sip of your tea and then there's someone like filling up the cup again <laughs> so he was like let's see how long we can wait before someone comes and fills up the tea again like it's just the best service in the world you put down your jacket and they come and put a cover over your jacket so you don't mess on it it's just absolutely amazing it's a nice dining experience because it's not just about the food it really is in the 101 because it's the second tallest building in the world now it's an experience going to the building first and foremost then the food is an experience and you can also watch them make it. It looks like a, a freaking operation room. I promise you, it looks like they're busy with surgery. They're all wearing these masks. They are covered in head to toe with white garments. And you can see how they make these little steamed buns. And it gives you such an appreciation for the food because it's not easy. It takes like a team of eight to 10 people standing there making these beautiful delicate little meatballs that you are gonna eat and we just see them come to the table and usually you just assume oh it's probably a machine twisting them or it's so, because it's so beautiful but it's all handmade there's eight guys standing there making these balls and i love that we could go and watch it at the restaurant yeah it's, they're, they're fantastic and it's, it's a must eat if you're in taiwan yep. uh, i think they have a couple locations in i think it was hong <laughs> kong singapore there's two in la and I think, that's, I think that's about it. So you have to come here. And Johnny and I, we went twice. And the second time, <laughs> the bill was exactly the same as I, what I would pay for something in South Africa for a meal for two at a normal restaurant. Not even something that's like known mm-hmm. for their food. Like it was 200 rand. So it's $20. $20, baby. For that's two people. Nothing. Yeah. So, it's, you know, it's, it's definitely more expensive than what you would pay for street food, mm-hmm. you know, in Thailand or Taiwan. Uh, but it's very affordable for someone to go out and have that nice of experience. But this is, that's why we say it's an experience. This is not something you go and have every day. Mm-hmm. And then if you think about it, it's really not pricey. Definitely. So type in 101. Did you enjoy that? I really loved it. It's an absolutely beautiful building. Um, we did go up to the 89th floor, mm-hmm. which is where you can look out. And it was very scary for me. Johnny was like calm and collected, like always. So I didn't nice. tell you, I was actually li- a little bit lightheaded up there, and I was like, "This, I'm super hot, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna freak you out." Okay. So good. I stayed calm. Oh, thank you, baby. You're so sweet. <laughs> so you have to obviously do that as well when you go to um, 101. You have to go to the building when you in Taiwan, and then the second thing you have to do there is eat at Ding Tai Fo, yeah. and then the third thing you have to do there. You have to go up to the 89th floor at least to go see how tall this building really is because you don't comprehend it when you're at the bottom. But when you're on the 89th floor and you're looking out and you see how everyone looks like ants and how small everything is at the bottom, you like, then suddenly it kicks in. It's like, oh my gosh. And the reason why you have to go to another one is because it's got like the fastest lift. <laughs> and literally you go from like the fifth floor to the 89th floor in 40 seconds. And you feel like the pressure on your ear as you just go up. It's like the spaceship that you get into. I thought it was quite cool. I it's know very silly, cool. But... It is. I think it still is the world's fastest elevator. Mm-hmm. And it's smooth. And it's an experience in there too. Because it's almost like a, a planetary show. In there. They, they dim the lights. Yes. And they show you how fast you're going. And the floors you're shooting up. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was $15. I think it was 500 500 NT, But it's worth it. You don't, don't cheap out. Uh, some people say that there's a tra- like a hack where you can get to like the 30th floor by making a reservation at Starbucks there, uh, or eating at the the restaurant. But it's trust me, just just do it. Um, there's a bit of a line, it's a bit of a pain in the butt, but if it's a clear day, it's absolutely worth going up. And there's 
I mean, it's an exp- it's a whole experience. I mean, because it takes like an hour to do. Because there's a inside a a big ball. I don't even know what the official name is, but it's basically a balance. Um, the balance ball. Balance mechanism, to because it's the building's so high that wind or things like that would make it sway. So it's a ballast, something that keeps it, you know, to keeps it level. Uh, overall, beautiful. And the thing is. I've been to tall buildings, so I just assumed, like, ah, oh, I've seen so many tall buildings. Like, I don't need to see this. Thank you for taking me, baby. You're welcome. But I enjoyed it so much because in my mind, I'm like, what's the difference between a building that's 40 floors and then this one? Mm-hmm. It is such a difference. It is such a big difference. You know, it's like you have no idea because unless you've been to the building in Dubai, you have to go to this. Yeah. Like, you just, you just have to go. Mm-hmm. All right. So... What are some other must-dos in Taiwan? I would say you have to do the night markets. Of course, without a doubt. So, and which one was your favorite, baby? So, I really... Okay, if you could only go to one, I would go to the biggest one. It's called Shilling, yes, sir. Shilling... Shilling Market. Market. And it's actually one stop before Shilling, which is kind of funny, but... So, this is... You know, there's other things that you kind of just have to figure out. Um, But it's... It's all outdoors. Mm-hmm. There's a small basement food court. Don't go to that. And don't eat there because it's not as nice as the food on the street. Yep. So on the on the main level on the street. And I'm going to have a video that I'm going to put together of all the food we ate. That's going to be like a... It's probably like the longest video I've ever made. All my videos are three minutes. This might be 15. <laughs> because there's so much food. There's so much, mm-hmm. so much to show. Um, and the food is incredible. You know, there's these little stands... You know, where it's usually a husband and wife, usually in their 40s, or, they're probably in their 50s or 60s. Yeah, maybe one of their kids. Yeah, and they're, you know, they're hand making these pastries and just like grilling things up and baking and frying. Mm-hmm. And there's these lines that are sometimes 20 minutes. And people don't mind waiting. Like, it's raining, it's cold. And people are standing in this queue. Mm-hmm. And that's just how we decided where to eat. Like, a lot of the times we didn't know what to eat. Or what to try. And we just fell in with the lines. We just stood in the line. And I have to say, something that surprised me is like, it goes quite quickly. Like, sometimes it looks like, oh my gosh, we're going to stand here for half an hour. And then we end up standing for 10 minutes. Because they make so much of the same thing. They're very efficient. Yeah. I like it. And in general, you always, always do well standing those long lines. I think we have only one time where we we got the food and we're like, this was not good. Yeah. And it was... I think it was like bacon wrapped green onions or something. The, it, the onions wasn't. It wasn't cooked all the way. Cooked all the way, so it was so hard. Yeah, so it looked like it'd be good, but it wasn't. But everything else has been incredible. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, what are some of your favorite foods? I have to say the breakfast dishes are some of my favorites, and it's just because I think it's so different from a, a normal Western breakfast. And usually, I don't like other Asian breakfasts. I don't like eating a curry for breakfast. I don't like having. You know, and even in Thailand, I like having bacon and eggs. But yeah, I really enjoyed the breakfasts. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I, I enjoy the buns, the steamed buns a lot. Yeah. There's so many other things, baby. So there's this, this, your, some of your favorites I remember is the steamed buns that normally either have barbecue pork inside mm-hmm. or like pork and cabbage, things like that. Yep. And what do you like about the actual bun itself? Because it's warm always. It's always served warm. And it's so, so soft. Like it's... Almost like it hasn't been baked 
through. Like yeah. so it's like I don't know, it's like a little bit of a dough stall, which makes yep. it really yummy. So if you've seen them, they're these white steam buns. And I'm sure you've seen them in other countries, but they are so much better here. Like they have them in Thailand, but we never eat them. No, we never have it there. Because they're not good. Mm. And I also would never recommend like I would never wanna eat this all the time. I don't think it's like nutritional value is not as high. It's as basically like, just white flour. Yeah, so it's not good. It's not that good for you. But coming here for a month, we literally whipped. So we good. were like, we're going to eat we everything. everything we want to eat. We don't care what it is. We're going to try it. <laughs> so the other things that, that we really liked, the uh, this warm soybean milk. Warm soybean that milk. That people have for good. breakfast. And they have it with um, these rice burritos. Yep. They call them fantuan, which is basically means rice roll mm-hmm. and inside of it they put i don't know i, I honestly don't even, can't even explain it it's all there's these a little bit of meat and then there's like pickled stuff in there mm-hmm. there's like a crunchy uh, dough that mm-hmm. they've put in there you there's can have a it mixture of textures flavors all these crunches things. yeah it's and, so weird and they're just it's so it's perfectly paired i think mm-hmm. that's why it's good uh there's that we really like the egg and scallion uh, pancakes mm-hmm. so it's like a like a green onion pancake that's savory almost like a crepe with an egg yep. those are really really good and then i love the tofu desserts okay so the desserts <laughs> so we have to give a shout out to used tofu yeah that sounds terrible <laughs> so the first i have to tell you the story please okay so the first time we went out um in taiwan with johnny's family and family friends they're all talking about this dessert place we're going to afterwards. And they're like, it's the best dessert. You, you're going to love it. It's everyone's favorite. But it's called used almond tofu. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, I don't want to insult anyone. But I'm not eating used tofu. And I don't even know what that means. Because you've heard of stinky tofu. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> I, honestly, in my mind, I was like comparing secondhand tofu. And no one like tried to explain to me. Like, what this is. And everyone just carries on how good it is. And I'm like, this is just part of it. Like, in Asia, they eat snakes sometimes. They eat weird things. Used tofu must be one of them. (laughs) (laughs) And luckily, that evening when we get out to the place, that is actually the family name. Why you? (laughs) Why you has used tofu. And it's not taken hand. (laughs) Brand new tofu. It's brand new tofu. (laughs) And it's delicious. Yeah, It's so good. What, what are some things you had there? Oh, okay. They first actually took me there to have the shaved ice, which to me is not like a really famous concept anyway, because apparently in the States, this is known like eating the shaved ice. But it's like pieces of chunky ice, broken ice yeah. with artificial syrup on it. And so we don't even good. actually, ice cones in South Africa aren't that popular. Mm-hmm. Like it's not something that's really popular at all. So I'm like, okay, I don't know if I'm going to like it because I don't want to eat ice. I don't want to eat flavored ice because I might as well just have syrup. Because yeah. to me, that's the same thing. But this is very different. It's shavings, like ice shavings. <laughs> but it's, they flavor it. During making the shavings, they put almonds milk in it so it's not a flavoring it's a milk that they mix it with and that's what makes it so unique and so nice so fluffy like it it tastes like you're eating angels baby (laughs) so weird it's yeah it is so light and fluffy and it's something out of this world and i like to have it with the actual (laughs) almond tofu which is like almond jello almond flavored jello and i have it with a little bit of crushed almonds and a little bit of cocktail fruit just because that's what I, I had as a kid growing up uh it is my by far my favorite dessert ever 
I have to say, when I just got here, it took a while for my taste buds to kind of adapt to the textures and the flavors because the food here is so unique to what I'm used to having. And I wasn't always exposed to um, many Asian cuisines. Like in South Africa, I grew up eating meat, rice, potatoes, and like steak, salad. Yeah. Or like steak and salads were like our food. <laughs> but yeah it's such different textures the flavors are so different and even looks really different like a lot of the cuisine i find like doesn't look appetizing like johnny would put something on my like in front of me that's just a black liquid and he's like oh that's really good and i'm like <laughs> this does not look good i didn't say it but like in my head i'm like this doesn't look good at all you know it's just a black liquid but then when you taste it and the tofu's at the bottom, it's so freaking good. So, so don't base on just what you see. So if you come here, be like Larissa, be super open-minded, try everything, especially if there's a long line, mm -hmm. you know, especially if someone recommends it. And you will be so surprised. I mean, it is, it's one of those places where if you watch any of these food channels, be like Anthony Bourdain, he comes here and he's just so impressed with, yeah. with everything. And, you know, there is a lot of like seafood and other things that I don't eat, but then there's literally something for everyone. I promise you that. Except for if you're gluten-free. So that's why during these last three weeks, we ate whatever we wanted. Uh, including, I bought some of the world's best whiskey. Yay. And I bought some for my dad for back at home. So cool. It's crazy that... So whiskey is normally known uh, to be good in Scotland. Yes. But this year's winner of the world's best single malt, which is... You know, usually known as the best whiskey because it's not a blend. It's not like a bunch of things mixed together. It's just a, a single whiskey. The purest form. The purest whiskey uh, is Cavalan Soloist Barack or something. Not, not Barack Obama, but <laughs> whatever it is. It's the blue bottle of the Cavalan. Mm -hmm. And it's a local Taiwanese whiskey. Yep. Which is insane. And we got so lucky because we were looking for it everywhere. And the first shop we went to, they, they happened to have samples of it. Uh, but then it was order only, so I had to give them my email. And unfortunately, they didn't get any back in before before we were leaving. Uh, so I got to taste it, and it was I've had you know. So normally my favorite whiskeys is Macallan. You know, usually like a twelve year or eighteen year old Macallan, and they're they're expensive. They're a hundred to three hundred dollars a bottle, but they're so good. Mm -hmm. uh, and this, I I honestly think it was better. And you know, it's not. And my, how does it compare on the price? It's a lot cheaper. I think mm -hmm. it was ninety five dollars for a big bottle. Which is still expensive, but it's on low end of high end whiskeys. Uh, and it won, you know, literally the world championship. It beat all the whiskeys in Scotland, beat all the whiskeys kind of around the world. And unfortunately, they are, were completely sold out. But I found a, the actual Cavalan, like their actual factory store. We went, I went in and I bought all their small bottles. Not all of them. I bought like a bunch of their small bottles, including a gift set for Lursa's dad. That we, we split for, for him. So I hope he enjoys that. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was so lucky. Because this is the very next person that walked in. As I was checking out. It was a couple that came in. Asked for it. By name. And they bought every single bottle left. Bottle left. <laughs> they, cl they literally cleaned out the whole store. So very, very lucky to, to be able to taste this. So apparently one of Johnny's really good friends, Kevin, made a recommendation, which we didn't end up doing, which we'll do next time, mm -hmm. is that you can go on a local tour yeah, and you can see where they make it mm -hmm. and how they make it and a tasting tour. So we didn't do it, so it's hard to recommend it. But knowing Kevin, mm -hmm. and like I would say that that would be something so cool to do the next I time. I wish we would have done that. And the only reason why we didn't is 
it's uh, a bit out of Taipei. It's an hour and a half out of Taipei, and we don't have a car, so we didn't have an easy way to get there. If we had more time, we, I'm sure we would have found a way. Uh, but you can go to the distillery itself. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been to like the Guinness factory in Ireland, and that was very fun. Yeah. So I would imagine this would be even better because it's a smaller factory. Yeah. You know, it's not as commercialized. So I'd recommend that if you can get a hand, you know, your hand on a bottle of this whiskey, definitely do it. Try it out. You know, so mm -hmm. I would say kind of to sum it up, Taiwan is is they take their food and their drinks very seriously. Yep. You know, even their beer. Uh, I had some of their Taiwanese. It's actually called Taiwan beer. Just funny. 18 days. <laughs> yeah, and they have one called 18 day. And basically, that means that it's unpasteurized, which is my favorite. I don't like pasteurized anything because yeah. by pasteurizing something, you just have a longer shelf life, yeah. which is nice for the company because it's easier. They can just, you know, leave it on the shelf forever. Mm -hmm. Unpasteurized stuff is generally, you know, you know, it's not like beer is healthy for you, but it's, you know, at least it doesn't have the preservatives. It's yeah. not, um, you know, it's not cooked and it tastes much better it tastes cleaner and fresher and the reason why they call it 18 days is they guarantee that it'll never be on the the shelf for more than 18 days on the cap itself they stamp the the actual date the uh, manufacturing date and the expiration date and you can get this at restaurants or like certain i guess not everywhere uh but like a lot of certain places so taiwan is so big now on both the beer the whiskey and the food mm-hmm and I think that kind of shows in all their culture as well. Like, they really take pride in things. Yep. The place here is so clean. It's so organized. Yep. Yeah, and, and Larissa had really, like, she kept mentioning how clean Taiwan is. I know, but coming from, like, Johannesburg, which is, or, and knowing how Joburg looks, like, the city part, and even coming from Bangkok to, yeah, it's amazing. And literally, I said to Johnny, like, I will eat food from the floor <laughs> in the city. Like, it's that clean. We saw ladies, like, washing the... The rubbish the bins. rubbish bins. Washing them. I've, never, them seen, I've never seen that anywhere. It's like, you just don't see any rubbish anyway. Like, people take so much pride in these streets. And I love that about the place. Because it speaks of the people and how much pride they have in their country. Well, my favorite thing about it is... It's a good mixture between being clean, being efficient, but still having some some soul, some heart. Yep. Because I've been to plenty of places like Singapore that are exceptionally clean. They have great transit systems, but they have no soul. Like it's you know, I'm there. All it is is a Louis Vuitton store. Yeah. You know, it's there's. I wouldn't like that either. Yeah, and to me, Taiwan has so much more. It has something kind of for everyone. And you can go, I mean, even if, without a lot of money, you can go to these night markets and you can have such a great night. Yeah. And you can literally spend a dollar on food and get some of the best food in the world, you know, and you're, and you're fine. Mm -hmm. You know, and there's so many outdoor parks and there's yeah. so many like, kind of activities for people to do. We kind of had to adjust our sleeping patterns, yeah, <laughs> because everything opens so late. And people stay out so late. Like, we've been taking the MRT. If you take the MRT at 11 or half past 11 at night, then there's still, like, 60-year-old ladies <laughs> on the way somewhere. Yeah. I don't know where they're <clears> going. <throat> but it's just such a, a nighttime place. Like, everyone, it's buzzing in mm. the evenings. But, like, at 9 in the morning when you walk out, there's nothing. But what I like about it is people are out just, you know, socializing and having fun. They're not out drinking or, get, or, fighting, or, or fighting or getting drunk. One thing about Thailand that, you know, the, one of the reasons why I don't go out late at night uh, is because the only thing to do is to drink. You know, if you go out in Chiang Mai or in, you know, pretty much anywhere, uh, 
at night, you're going to a bar or you're going to go, you know, get some alcohol. You're not really, you know, there's nowhere to go and just hang out and just, um, you know, and, and just be sober and have fun. But here, there's, you can go watch shows, you know, out. You can go play basketball. There's like well-lit, you know, basketball courts. Yeah, people were still running in the park the other night at, at like 10 or 11 in the evening. They were still exercising outside. And there's, yeah, so highly, highly recommended. So f- as far as food, as soon as, literally after today, uh, we are not going to eat any more of this food. No, I'm, I'm so happy I've tried all of it and it's been amazing. But my body has been telling me, Larissa, you need to go back eating healthy. You need to be, have a different lifestyle. Like, I just, I don't know how I lived for so many years eating only breads and pastas and pizzas and so much doughy food. I just don't know how I did it. And now it explains why I was so tired most of the time and why I didn't have energy during the day, why I was an emotional rollercoaster as well most of the time. Like, I need to be back on a diet, back on a healthy lifestyle. I'm excited about going back and changing my food again. So if if you've been watching my videos or looking at my photos, since before I started traveling uh, extensively these last six months, I've now gained almost 10 kilos, which is insane. Uh, I think I'm at a point right now where we're like, okay, this is my upper limit. Because I know myself, I'm like, I think my body's happy around 90. And then at, two, at 100 kilos, which is 220 pounds, I'm like, that that's it. It's back on, on yeah. the health trip. Then we know we need to make changes. Exactly. Because, you know, after that, like you just, overall health's not as good, not as productive. You get more tired. Uh, you just don't enjoy life as much anymore. So... After Taiwan, when I get back to Thailand, back on the health trip. Uh, no more, no more breads, no more gluten. Kind of just go back on the normal, normal diet. No more sugar because we've no even been sugar. having cakes and stuff here, which we never ever have. But it's been so good. I know it's been the- worth it. See, this is the difference because we usually don't eat these things, but when it's worth eating it, it makes such a big difference. We don't go just go buy Seven Eleven, um, like. Grades and stuff and cookies because that would just be like messing with your health for no reason Mm -hmm. because it's not worth it. But yeah, it's fresh bakeries. The bakeries here are so incredible. We had this little loaf of a walnut brown sugar bread. Oh my gosh, thinking about it, it actually, yeah. It was probably the, the best, freshest, like chewy, warmest goodness I've ever had. Like, the bakeries here are incredible. You have to have it. Okay, so no more talking about food. Okay, let's stop it. Because we, I'm getting hungry as we're talking. Yep. But the good thing is, so even though you know, we're, we're eating bad, we're conscious of it. And we are really, really taking track of our health. So both Larissa and I got our blood tests by our doctor, Alexis Shields, who is a... Uh, she, she is now currently based in Barcelona. Uh, met in Chiang Mai. She's from Portland. <laughs> And she's a naturopathic doctor, mm-hmm. so she really you know, cares about food and diet and overall health and doesn't just look at single numbers. Mm-hmm. So for, our, like, let's say, our cholesterol test, she doesn't just look at cholesterol. You know, a good doctor will look at both, you know, your LDL and your HDL. An even better doctor will look at the ratio. Uh, for her, she takes it even another step, you know, and then she looks at, you know, these things that 
I, I wouldn't be able to read as a just you know as a, as an average person. And she looks at the trends because she knows it doesn't matter what your cholesterol is today if you don't have any data to back it up. Yeah. So I've been going to her now for a year and a half, and every six months I get my all my tests. Mm-hmm. You know, and good news is it's all going in the right direction. Mm-hmm. You know, so all my ratios for my cholesterol are going good. Uh, all my you know uh, kidney functions and liver functions and all that. Everything's good. And then she gives us recommendations on, on what to do. Um, and a lot of it is kind of things that it's hard to, you know, like, I think if you really listen to your body, you'll know. Uh, but it's so hard to tell because there's so much information mm-hmm. out in the world. For example, one of the, the things that I need to do now is actually drink less water, which is hard because I think the reason why I drank so much water is because you always hear how important it is to drink a lot of water. Mm-hmm. Now, don't li- don't hear that and say, oh, Everyone should drink less water. No, because a lot of people need to drink more water. Yeah. You know, and it's... Like me. <laughs> yeah, so it's crazy because the test we got back, the stuff that I need to do, Larissa needs to do the opposite. Yeah. Literally, for almost everything, we have to do the opposite. <laughs> so Larissa has been prescribed more butter. She's like, I can have a high-fat diet all day long. Like, my body likes fat. My cholesterol is so low. Um... Because I tend to get very anxious and nervous. Uh, that's just my personality, which I am working on a lot. Um, my adrenal glands get burned out a lot easier. And all the butter and all the f- natural fats that I'm eating, that just helps it. And I know you said earlier, you were like, you know, our body tells us what we need. For the first time in my life, I could feel and I could listen to what my body needed. But two years ago, I had no clue because I was not on a right a healthy um, diet plan or anything. So my body, my hormones was just so messed up that it wasn't giving me any signals. All it was telling me is that I wasn't feeling good. I wasn't feeling healthy, but I never knew how to fix it. Lately, I've also not been feeling that good, but naturally I knew I needed more sleep. And I knew it was for good reasons, not because I'm lethargic because of food. Like, and yesterday talking to Alexis about my blood results it all just confirmed it everything she said I was like my body's been telling me that and I've been doing it but it's for the first time I've been eating healthy enough to get to a point where my body's giving me accurate signs and that's what's so important to not only be a a finely tuned machine Mm -hmm. but also to have data to back it up you know there's so much contradictory information out there and it's because for everyone really is different you know and so Next time someone argues with you about your diet or what you should or shouldn't be eating, just, you know, nod, acknowledge it, but do your own research, get your own blood test. Literally, that is the only thing that works. I promise you, the only thing that works is for you to get your individual tests and monitor it over every six months, you know? So for Larissa, it was, I mean, I encouraged her to eat lots of butter you know i said you know this bulletproof diet really does work i think it'll work for you but i didn't know 100 percent, and it's hard because you hear the uh, the opposite too you hear mm-hmm. don't eat it it's bad you know it's you know it's, it's it, it could be bad for you mm-hmm. and it's so hard to go back and forth so even though larissa was drinking bulletproof coffee and eating butter you would always limit it because no part- i had a lot Did- I had, there was a point where I was having just as much as you. Okay. And then I got freaked out afterwards because I was like, I am a third of your size Mm. or half of your size, not a third. I'm half (laughs) your size and I'm consuming the same amount. Like, then I was like, 
starting to talk stories in my head like maybe it's not healthy because I'm having the same amount as what Johnny's having and I'm half the size so maybe I should have half and it was only for like the last month not even a full month before we left Thailand that I started reducing my butter again because I was like I read online on forums that I'm having too much like other people were saying you can't have that much butter like cut it down you know and for me personally I feel like you have to always do two things is like you have to do your research yourself. Like I can easily just listen to Johnny. And yes, I do listen to him a lot. But afterwards, you have to trust your own instinct. And you also have to read your things yourself. Because then afterwards, it's becoming the blame game of like, you told me to have this and you told me to trust this diet. And now it's messing up on my body. And then secondly, like Johnny says, always have blood test. But a major thing for me is finding a freaking doctor that you can trust. I just feel like if I went back to South Africa and I went to my normal, like a normal GP, I don't know if I would have had the same level of like care and like I really want to see like what is happening on these blood tests instead of just like a quick let's get you in and out type of feeling. Because mm-hmm. we literally Skyped with her each for an, an hour. hour and she really cares and goes through you know your, your results and it's not it's just a one time thing. It's you know you could do it every six months, you could do it every year and if it was just for us listening to other people mm-hmm. or like let's say someone tells you on a forum, like, oh, you're eating too much, you know, they don't know you. Mm-hmm. They haven't seen your results. So it's really hard to, you know, and they might be right half the time, you know, and that's why it's confusing. Mm-hmm. So it's so good to know personally, okay, this is what I personally need. I think what is important as well as like a digital nomad is finding a doctor that you trust and then kind of sticking with them wherever you go. Because it's important for doctors also to get to know your lifestyle and who you are as a person because we are all so different. And Alexis know that she knows me as a person and she knows Johnny as a person and she knows what works for one of us might not work for the other one. And I think if I just went to a normal doctor in South Africa when I'm based in South Africa and then when we go to Thailand, I go see a different doctor there. And when we're here, I go see a different doctor here if something goes wrong. It's really hard for them because you can't expect that doctor to know what's going on and you are 27 years old for me and they've just quickly seen like Alexis always say a snapshot like one instant of where you are at now you need to get someone you trust and like kind of stick with them even when you are traveling go get your blood um, test done and send it to them have sco- uh, rather have a Skype consultation with them but like find someone you trust and stick with them I would say personally 100% so you know if you haven't started doing this really start now because your health is so 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 important and if it's a money issue you know what have it be a goal write it down as a goal saying i want to make an extra 240 dollars a month so i can afford to get you know my my health in order i can Mm -hmm. afford to eat avocados i can afford to to upgrade my my butter to to grass-fed butter i can afford to have organic you know vegetables Mm -hmm. i can afford to get my blood tests i can afford to you know, not you know, to use real quality ingredients in my food, you know, and things like that. So I really think that if for a long time I knew I should eat healthier, I should do these things, and I just never did because of money. Yep. Don't let money hold you back. Like, it really, if you know it's important, write it down, have it be a goal, and make more money. Yep. And it's crazy to have this mindset now because I never, I used to not have this mindset. I used to have kind of the victim mentality of saying, you know what, organic food's a ripoff. Mm-hmm. You know, I, you know, or like, oh, I don't need to get these, you know, or the government should be paying for these, these blood tests. You know, if it was important, my doctor would, you know, it should be free. Yep. And now I have the completely different mentality. And I think you do as well. Now Definitely, too. without a doubt. And 
I know like it's it's so expensive all these things but there's some small changes you can start implementing already like I mean cutting out sugars and things like that which is you know is bad it's for universally you or, bad. it's just bad you can start implementing that already and, and then free. and it's free <laughs> you can make small changes that you know is healthy and it's free and that will help you at least to get kind of more productive on things that you know you can make money or you know um, because I think a lot of time it's an excuse, well, I'm not feeling good because I don't have the money to do this. Um, and that's why I'm not as productive. Well, then change the things you can change. Definitely, 100%. For the things you can't change and you know you want to change, make it a goal. Mm-hmm. And our, we've both reached every one of our goals we, we've written down. Yep. Which is insane. Mm-hmm. I mean, a few years ago, I mean, well, so six months ago, what were the goals you re- we wrote down? So six months ago, I literally just wanted to make my normal salary that I made as a school teacher um I wanted to make that back which was what a thousand thousand dollars so 30,000 baht or a thousand US yes right and did you think that you were gonna hit it this quickly I was so scared and to be honest this sounds terrible when I say this out loud now I had so much doubt that I actually thought I'm gonna go down from my salary i was like question it sometimes i question it so much i was like i'm not even i'm not gonna make a thousand and never mind a thousand i'm probably gonna make less now like i'm gonna make 600 a max you know and then every time you know like there's such an evil within us that we feed the whole time like sometimes i would make a little bit more a little bit more moving closer to that goal instead of being proud of myself sometimes i would be like okay this was once off luck now let me see if it happens again next month and then it did and then Every time there's this little demon inside of me saying, well, maybe it was luck again this time. But I know for a fact it's not luck because it's so many months now. So it's April 15th now. Yep. What, so we made our first sales in basically in January, our first profitable month of our dropshipping store. Yep. And then that with other income from like the Unimate course kind of yep. all to combine. What was the, your monthly profit January, February, March, now, now April? Okay, so it's definitely the first month I would say I just made a little bit less than my school teacher salary. So I would, I think I made like seven, between seven hundred and eight hundred dollars. And then from there, it it climbed a little bit to my second month. I made back my salary. I made a thousand and I was like, yes, (laughs) at least I'm covering all my expenses. I made all my money. And then last month it doubled, like, you know, more than doubled. And I was like, oh my gosh, how is this even possible? Because it just happened so quickly. And this month, even though it's just the middle of the month, we're doing exceptionally well. We're doing so well. And to me, the most insane thing, I was telling Johnny the other night, and this is sounds so bad, but I've been working like an hour a day, especially now that we've been traveling. And I don't want to say an hour because that sounds like a lot, but I haven't even been working. Some days I've been working a half an hour and some days I haven't been working and I've doubled my income. And it's mostly because of the dropshipping store. Yes, we have the Udemy that's been making quite a bit. We sometimes forget how much we make off of Udemy. <laughs> so yes, we've been making money off of Udemy, but a lot of it's due to the dropshipping. Yeah, like even though I make, I have many, many sources of income. I, I have my... Uh, my book on Amazon, my Kindle, my Kindle book. I have you know the advertising from blogs. I do phone coaching. I do all these other things as well. But my primary income now, after the last two years, has been my dropshipping stores. Yeah. Especially now that we have this other store that we're running together. Mm-hmm. So one hundred percent, that's been that's been kind of the core. If it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be able to be a digital nomad. I wouldn't be able to travel like this. Definitely, and I'm so excited because I'm like. <sighs> 
in my mind, I just want to start another store. And I know it's not that easy because Johnny's like always pulling me back, being like, wait a second and enjoy the ride. Yeah. Have fun with it. But I think I get this thrill of seeing everything set up and then the thrill from that first sale, knowing that it works. <laughs> like, it's so exciting and like it gets your adrenaline pumping. I like that feeling so much. So I've already started like researching like a new niche and like thinking of what I can do next because I feel now for the first time, I really truly feel confident enough that I could do it completely on my own. Like, you know, me and Johnny's been doing this thing the whole time together and I've been learning so much from him. But there's always a little bit of yourself like doubting yourself, thinking, can I do this by myself because we've been doing it together? But now I feel like, yes, I can. I'm confident enough to know that I can do the whole dropshipping thing on my own. Yeah, so big shout out to Anton. Yes, thank you, baby. And thank you, Anton. Because he put this course together that really just walks you through step by step. And so if you were going to start another store together, would you go through the videos? Would you watch the videos again? Or Yes, I would. Okay. Like, for me, I feel like there's absolutely no reason not to watch it a second time. Mm-hmm. And um, there's so many things that I'm going to pick up now again that I've already forgotten. And, like, you have nothing to lose by watching the videos again. Um, it could just only reinforce the stuff you've learned. Because maybe, who says I'm not going to open a third one, you know? Like, so I'll just learn more from it. I really feel that way. I, I do as well. And even though I've been part of Anton's course now for two years, when we opened this new store together, I went through the videos again. Wow, that's cool. Buddy. I was just like, well, you know what? Whatever whatever I did the first time <laughs> obviously worked. So let me just follow his, his formula again. Mm-hmm. And I'm now I've been helping a lot of people. So I've been helping a guy named Cliff through phone coaching. He signed up for four sessions. So I've been kind of walking him through niche research. And I'm so glad to help him because, you know, he tried doing a, a store on his own and because you know he's busy he has a family he's um he's a military you know he didn't pick a good niche you know and he's like you know he's like johnny like can you help me through the process again and i was like yeah no problem so he gave me a big list of things that he wanted to do and at first the first call i mean he was actually very like it was kind of heartbreaking because we went through each of his niches we did the research just like i would with my own stores and basically found reasons why I wouldn't go into that niche. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this one has too much competition. Uh, this one looks like there's, you know, uh, they, there might not be a dropshipping store. This one looks like they, they warehouse. This one looks like the price is all over the place and it's not going to be profitable. Things like, you know, things like that. Things that Anton goes through. But then the second call, you know, what we did was we, we t- basically expanded on his list and said, okay, the ones that we did find that had potential, let's look what else they have. And we basically just went deeper and deeper. And now it's the third week and he sent me this email so excited, so happy because he's this military guy that, you know, with very little expression. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now he's so excited. He uses explanation marks <laughs> in his email. And he's like, and he said he completely looks at it a completely different yeah. way. You know, he sees opportunity now. And before he saw, you know, he had a scarcity mindset, almost like a negative mindset. And now it's an abundance mindset. Mm -hmm. So I really think it's work for everyone. And I would like to help everyone, you know, start their own stores. But honestly, it takes a lot of time. It's like, it's a lot of effort, you know? And the only reason why I charge so much for the phone coaching is because I don't have time to help everyone. So I want to have a barrier there where only, you know, only people who are very, very serious will sign up. And I, I can honestly only take a few people uh, per month because I just don't literally don't have the time for yeah. it. So what I did is I created a 
quick start course to Anton's method. So basically, it's a course where I go through the things I go, you know, I would personally go through uh, with people who sign up for phone coaching who I was helping out in person. Mm-hmm. I spend a lot of time on niche selection because I know people have so much trouble there. So I have these series of videos and I show you step by step the way I do niche research. That combined with the way that Anton shows you, I guarantee that you'll find a, a good niche. Yep. And then I have another video under that that says, you know, if you're really stuck, here's another video that I teach you how to kind of backward analyze other niches. So I, I know 100% you know, no one's going to get stuck in this selection. I know. I w- when I was doing um, niche research the other day at Starbucks, <laughs> and I came up with like a, a list of like 20 to 30 really unique products, where the first time I did this, I came up with the same list, but a lot of them were not that unique because I didn't know how to do the research. So it's a lot of things that's very common and everyone kind of thinks of. But this time when I did it, I was, afterwards I was so proud of myself because I was like, how do I even think of these products like how did i think of these products but it's really because of all the tips you've given me baby on like literally looking in different places as well um that's opened that door for me so thank you so much you're welcome and i'm sharing this with with literally everyone who's going to sign up for for add-on scores because i want them to be successful you know also included in that is how to know when to call suppliers because that's the second biggest question people have so i have basically my checklist of what to do you know what are the the basically the the most important things to have before call suppliers how to get your first sale because mm-hmm. that's where other people get stuck how to know when to turn on the ads all these things and this course i put up for 250 dollars, but i wanted the only reason why i put it up there for that that amount is i don't want just anyone signing up for it i want people that who are really kind of serious about it but what i'm doing is also i'm just i've told anton i said anyone who buys the course through my link because I want to give people credit who give me credit. Yeah. So basically, if you go through my recommended resources page on johnnyfd.com, you get that course for free. And I I, re- you know, I knew I could charge a little bit for it. I knew I could have said, you know what, here's a $100 discount or here's a $50 discount. People would still buy it. But I really want everyone to have it because I really want people to have the best chance of having a profitable, successful yep. store. So you know, if you go through my blog, johnnyfd, and buy Anton's course through my link, and you know, thank you guys for giving me credit, you guys will have access to this course for free that's awesome baby and i've seen it it's there's so much value in that baby like i think especially with the niche niche selection that's the hardest part sometimes and that's where you help out the most i would say yeah and mm-hmm. so thank you guys um larissa enjoy south africa yay thank you baby i will and thank you so much for having me again it's such so nice to have this chat with you guys <laughs> <laughs> it's been fun i'll see you guys back next week in Chiang Mai, thailand ciao Thank you for listening to the Travel Like a Boss podcast. If you want to hear more, including the bonus, how to choose the perfect niche episode, join our mailing list at travellikeabosspodcast.com. See you next week. And remember, if you want to travel like a boss, you need to be your own boss. So start your online business today and start living the lifestyle you've always dreamed of.